0: Thanks for listening to the Courageous Church Podcast. We want you to know that wherever you are, God is with you. We hope this message leaves you feeling loved, encouraged, and courageous. We thank you for tuning in. Courageous Church, Courageous People. And now, here's today's message. Such an honor to be up here today. Thank you guys for the nice warm welcome. And you guys all can be seated. I know it's hot, so it's nice to sit down and cool off. But um, like Pastor said, I like to give honor where honor is due. And so Pastor Ontario, Pastor Crystal, I just want to honor you guys. Um, We wouldn't be the church that we are today without you. We know that there's so much sacrifice that you guys give. And I know my husband and I wouldn't be here without you. So thank you for your marriage and keeping it together, right? (laughs) So that we (laughs) can have the church today. Can you guys help me in honoring our pastors? Yes. (laughs) Yes. All right. We love you guys. So as Pastor Ontario said, my name is Cynthia Owen, and I'm usually the announcement girl, but today I'm gonna be the preacher lady. So uh, I'm really excited to be up here, and usually when I'm in your seats and there's someone new-ish, I like to get to know them a little bit. So before we dive in, I wanna take this time to get to know one another just a tad. And so um, my name is Cynthia again, and then you guys probably have seen my husband, Tim, right? So Tim, raise your hand. Yeah, my husband Tim. Yes. This is the most recent and most nice picture we've taken uh, this year. So, uh, we will celebrate our six years of an- wedding next next month in August. So, yes. <laughs> we've been married for six years and we met Feeding the Homeless in Boston. Aww. Isn't that nice? Yeah, good old Baston. That's where we met and, you know, just ever since then we've been together. So. Um, Thank you for always being supportive and being here with me. It's been such a fun adventure with you. And you're probably wondering, you know, about our kids. Yes, we have two kids, but they don't attend uh, Courageous Kids here because they happen to be hairless cats. Um, Yes, here they are. There they are. We got Rupert and we got, uh, no, Rupert and Eugene, right? Really cute, aren't they? Okay. I know hairless cats are not everyone's cup of tea. But if you like Baby Yoda, you're gonna like my cats. They're, they're really, really cute and they're awesome. And before I hear any of you guys say, oh no, I hate cats, I'm a dog person, like dogs rule. I wanna remind you, there's a name for Jesus in the Bible. It goes by the lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm gonna emphasize the lion of the tribe of Judah. So if you wanna be more like Christ, get a cat, right? I'm pretty sure that's biblical, don't quote me on that, but if you wanna be more like Christ, get a cat. <laughs> so that's that's my little family here. Um, I don't have enough space to show you my extended family. I am one of six, I am the only girl, and my, bro- my younger brother's here today, so thank you for joining us today, Blake, yes. He's like, please stop embarrassing me. (laughs) And uh, here's what I do for work. I I used to be in ministry, and we moved down here in 2018, and I, I left my ministry job up in Baston, and when we got down here, I was praying, God, can you just put me back in ministry? And I prayed for years, and... Four, almost five years later, God answers that by putting me in the tech industry, and I'm the company, a software company based out of Oakland, California, and it has been my ministry, and I love it. So for those who uh, are in the secular world and you're wondering, how can I be a minister, pray for God to open up your eyes for those that you work with, because trust me, he will answer that prayer. He will open up opportunities. And I've been there since, this new company, since November of last year, and as of Tuesday, I got promoted. <laughs> uh, God will give you favor where he plants you, and I love that he promoted me because it's giving me more reach within our company and to minister to others, so that can happen. That can be you, right? So just pray that, that prayer. And the final thing that I want to share with you before we dive into today's message is I really love Feedback. So if you hear something good you're more than welcome to say amen get wild in your seats You can say "Preach preacher white girl, whatever you want Just say it cuz it's gonna let me know that I'm doing a good job. All right. I will not offend me Because I plan today to put creases in these Air Force ones. All right, so help me out. Help me out <laughs> All right Let's uh <laughs> I'm glad someone loves me, all right. Now let's get a little holy and a uh, pray before we jump into service. Father God, thank you for this beautiful, beautiful church. Thank you for the people of our church. I am so blessed, we are so blessed by every single person in this room. Father, I pray that these words are your words. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to be your vessel, to preach your truth, not, not mine, but your truth. I pray that you open up our hearts and our minds and our ears to everything that you have to say for us today. We ask this and expect this in your son's name. Amen. 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 All right. So as pastor said, we are in this new series called Rehab, right? Daddy said go to rehab and she said no, but I think you should. So um, we're in this new series and don't you guys love preparing for something and you think you know what you're gonna do and then God's like, that's really funny that you wanna do that. Uh, You just keep doing that and I'll actually reveal to you what I want you to say and that's kind of what happened earlier this week. I told pastor, I'm so excited, I'm gonna preach on the top five mental illnesses in the country. And that was a little audacious, I'll be be honest, because as I started doing research, I was like, oh my gosh, we people, we got problems, with a capital P. And something stood out in my research that I'm going to preach on today, and I'm not going to cover five, because I think the one that I'm going to talk about today is the one that's most commonly experienced in the world. So here's some statistics that I I found. Um, This comes from the National Alliance on Mental Health. One in five U.S. adults. This is not kids, this is just adults. One in five U.S. adults experience some type of mental illness. That's over 65 million people in our country experience something, something is going on. And it is shown statistically people who experience mental illness, they have a higher increase of chronic disease like diabetes, heart disease, and even cancer. And I, I just think it's incredible how powerful our mind is. When our, our mind is not well, it affects our entire bodies. And uh, this one just kind of like made me like think for at least an hour, because it just blew my mind. Depression and anxiety disorders cost the global economy one trillion dollars, that's a trillion with a T, each year in lost productivity. not that crazy? I think this just points to that mental health is a really big deal. And I think sometimes people outside the church are like, well, what's the Bible have to say about that? And though the Bible may not be as black and white, like here's how you overcome this, I believe our scriptures do tell us how to properly attack those situations. And this is the part that I wanted to talk about today. The most commonly experienced mental illness in the world has to do with anxiety. Yeah, did anyone get anxiety when I just said that? Yeah. (laughs) I know I did. (laughs) I was like, oh, there, go back down, go back down. Leave me alone, anxiety. All right. So 20% of the 65 million people here in the U.S. experience anxiety or anxiety-related disorder. And it just shows me that we're... we're (laughs) It's pretty rampant. So today, my goal is that we are gonna leave here equipped with practical advice, biblical advice on how to tackle this very common plaguing issue in our lives today. So the title of today's message is Anxiety, Respond, Not React. Yes, if you're taking notes, which I encourage you because this will be really good to refer to, is Anxiety, Respond, Not React. So if we're gonna treat anxiety, like most doctors, are gonna try to figure out what, what are these certain things. So what's the definition of anxiety? It is the feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an event or something with an uncertain outcome. It can also be a nervous disorder characterized by a state of excessive uneasiness, apprehension, and typically with a compulsive behavior or panic attacks. Does anyone else relate to that? Right, And for everyone who didn't raise your hand you probably had a little anxiety about raising your hand so I'm just going to say I know all of you have experienced to some degree or level and anxiety can be caused by a multitude of things. The most common are uh, environmental factors like your job, your personal relationships, medical conditions, and trauma which we will get into like Pastor said Um, and even genetics play a role into anxiety. So Now that I've given you all this talk, what does the Bible have to say about this? So today we're gonna spend our time in the book of 2 Chronicles and we're gonna read the story of King Jehoshaphat. And I am a firm believer that as you're reading the Bible, it's really important to know the original context and purposes of the passages that you're reading, why? Because if we don't know that, sometimes our own personal opinions and lenses can really distort the overall message that the original writer had for us today. So let's dig into a little bit of the context here. Chronicles originally, and by the way, I'm gonna just let you know, who's done growth track in here? Anyone done growth track? You've done, yes, there you go. You all take your, your giftings test. Well, I'm a teacher. So sorry, not sorry, but I nerd out on this kind of stuff, so. Yeah. You guys can get excited too. I'm excited. Um, Am I preaching all right? Are you guys? I know it's warm. I just don't want you to fall asleep. Okay, great, great, great. So Chronicles originally was one book. In our modern day Bible, it's actually two, but there was one originally. And it was put at the very end of the Jewish Bible, which is called the Torah. And the purpose of this book was to be a recount or a recap of different historical events that had happened in the rest of the Bible. So you were getting a lot of repetitive things that's already happened in Chronicles. And the reason why it was split in our modern day Bible is because the first half of Chronicles, which is now one or first Chronicles, dealt with the lineage. So you're gonna see a lot of names you can't pronounce and it's all about someone's mother and their brother and their sister and whoever else. and I will say, if you're trying to be creative with a baby name, definitely, definitely go to First Chronicles because they're wild. <laughs> so, um, and then basically the reason why he's, uh, the writer is depicting this entire lineage is because there was prophecy saying a Messiah is going to come out of the lineage of David. And so the writer takes us through this journey of what that lineage looks like to point to the future that a Messiah, which we know is Jesus, is coming. But then we get into Second Chronicles and it takes a totally different turn. The writer focuses on kings and their story, which is where we're gonna spend time today. And you know, I was picking out my uh, outfit for today. I was like, what should I wear? I went to my favorite coffee shop here in Florida, King's State, because we're gonna be talking about the kings of the Bible, right? So uh, if anyone here works for King's State, um, I'll take endorsements for a year of vanilla oat milk lattes. Thank you very much in advance. (laughs) And so Kings really focuses on, or second Kings focuses on two types of Kings. One, that follows God's word. There are tons of kings of the Bible and the ones who follow God's word and stay obedient to him. You see that Jerusalem and the Jewish people were incredibly blessed by that obedience. But then it also talks about what they say as evil kings, kings who did not follow God's word whatsoever. And then you see the consequences play out in 2 Kings. So like I said, we're gonna be focusing on King Jehoshaphat. So what camp or what Group of kings is this guy in. If we go to Second Chronicles 17, verse three through four, it goes, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the ways of his father, David, before him, he did not console the Baals, which is basically pagan gods, uh, but sought the God of his father and followed his commands rather than the practices of Israel. So our king Jehoshaphat is a good guy, praise the Lord, right? So as we see in here, because he followed God's ways, Jerusalem and uh, Judah was blessed by his obedience. And scripture even tells us that because of his obedience, other kingdoms had the fear of the Lord because they saw how blessed he was. They were so afraid of of Judah that (laughs) they didn't even attack them. They're like, we want nothing to do with that kingdom because that God will smite you and smote you out. We're not gonna attack them. So, but as believers, we know that even if we are followers of God, that doesn't mean that storms and battles will not show up at our front door, right? (laughs) Sometimes it means that they will and so Here's what happens uh, with Jehoshaphat when something comes his way. 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 20, verses one through two. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, with some of the Meites, which basically, all the ites really, <laughs> uh, come, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and, and told Jehoshaphat, hey, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. So if you can put yourself in the kingdom of of Judah at this point in time, they're experiencing a really great life. Life was awesome. They were blessed. There were not issues. There's a time of peace. And then all of a sudden, in a matter of moments, things change. Can you guys imagine being the people who had to go and tell good old King Joe <laughs> that there was a, a vast army coming against them? Like, I can imagine they were like, yo, 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 c- come, here. come here, Can do you, do you see this over here? Does that look like a vast army to you? It, it, it does, okay, cool, cool. So who is gonna go tell our king that? You, you guys wanna rock, paper, scissors that, right? Uh, <laughs> I know I would not wanna be the person being the bearer of bad news in a really good time in life, but lo and behold, they went and did it. And if you look at the map of where this vast army was coming from, they were trying to do a sneak attack. They were not coming from the regular routes that most trade routes come from. They were coming from behind, trying to surprise them. That sounds a lot like anxiety, right? It often sneaks up on you when you're having a great time and out of nowhere things can change in a matter of moments. It sneaks up on you. Maybe you had a plan and something's not going so right. Or maybe a close relationship with you, a parent, a child, a spouse, a friend, something's aren't going so well and you're really nervous of what's going to happen next in this relationship. Or like we've talked about trauma, I know I've had plenty of trauma in my life, maybe something Happens to you in present day that trips this trauma wire, and all of a sudden you freeze and you're in this cage and you don't know what to do next. Has anyone been in a car accident before? Whether you're a passenger or a driver? Yeah, it's real fun. (laughs) Tim and I were actually in a car accident back in October. And it was gonna be a great day. It was a random Wednesday. We both had off of, of work and we were so excited because we had Disney day passes and we were talking about not the rides we're gonna go on because you know, when you're an adult, you like to go for the food. So we're like, we're gonna to go to this Epcot restaurant and this restaurant and we're gonna do this and do that. And then all of a sudden, a big work truck crosses into our lane. He was coming from the other way and he crosses and cuts us off. And we had no time to properly respond. In fact, I reacted and uh, it was a really helpful reaction. It went a lot like Tim, Tim, right? Super helpful, right, babe? Yeah, it was really helpful in that moment. <laughs> He's like, Lord Jesus, why'd you tell this story? Uh, welcome to our marriage. It's a lot of me just being crazy. And You know, thankfully we walked away and you know, there was little damage to us, our car was fixed, no problem but if I'm honest with you, for months, I would have these crazy panic attacks just trying to leave my house and get behind the wheel of my car. We lived two minutes from Publix and I would go and do our weekly Publix run. I would literally have full blown panic attacks sitting there and it took everything within me to just put my key ignition to get that fresh out the kitchen Publix chicken. and. Uh, It wasn't easy, it wasn't easy. And you know, you get in this mindset that you're you're trying to protect yourself when you get like that, but it's actually just stealing your freedom. You kind of live in some bondage when you experience anxiety. (laughs) That's what our reaction looks like. We freeze up and we don't do anything and we just need to stop reacting, right? We need to actually start responding to anxiety, and this is where I wanna jump in to what a kingly response looks like, a godly response looks like to anxiety. So if you go to 2 uh, Chronicles chapter 20, verse three, you'll see that the very first thing that we need to do here when anxiety sneaks up on us is to commit. Write that down, your first point. First thing you gotta do is to commit. Scripture goes, then Jehoshaphat was afraid. He set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. The first thing that stands out to me is is that he was afraid, right? Some translations said that he was alarmed or that he was terrified. That sounds a lot like anxiety to me, right? (laughs) And what I love is that he did not just instantly react and lash out or freeze up, he chose to be motivated to move, to commit the situation to God. He decided to seek God's face. You know that's not a normal reaction, right? That is a learned reaction. So don't beat yourself up if that's not your first response right away. It does take some time. But he was a king. So I believe he responded this way because one, He knew how God honored those who honored him. And he said, you know what? I have no time to prepare for this crazy vast army. I'm going to commit the situation to God and let him take care of it. So what does that practically look like for us? Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every Situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, if you want to write that down, highlight that the peace of God, which will transcend all understanding, will guard your heights your, your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus anxiety doesn 't allow you to see and think properly, so Yes, he may have been responding because he already knew that when you commit things to God, he he blesses you. But he may have been like, yo, (laughs) I do not want this feeling anymore. I want the peace that surpasses all understanding to come into my life. So really the first step of what it looks like to commit it to God requires us to pray. It requires us to pray. And if you don't have the words to pray, invite someone else in to do it with you. That's so big, you know, uh, pastors knew I was probably pretty anxious coming in here today. It's funny how you prepare for a message about anxiety and then that's the exact thing that happens to you. And they prayed with me and they gave me words that I couldn't speak myself. And it was so good to have them come alongside me and do that. Now I just wanna pause real quick. Some of you are like, all right, I have heard the church tell me so many times that I just need to pray about it, right? Has anyone been there? going through something serious and the church is like, you know what, pray about it. And you're like, I have, like way too much. My rug has holes in it from where I've been praying for so long and nothing has happened. And this verse I think has been thrown in our faces a lot about that. And if that's been you, I just wanna say from the pulpit, as a church, we're sorry, and that was never meant the intention. And if you've been praying for something for so, so long and you haven't seen a difference, I still have two more points that I hope that will help you apply it to your situation that will bring you the peace that you're looking for. So the second thing that we see our King Jehoshaphat do is remove and replace. He removes and replace. We're gonna go right back into Second Chronicles in the ESV version. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judea. Now, if you're new to church, you may have heard of what fasting is, but you may not know what fasting actually is. And fasting essentially in biblical times is when you remove distractions, particularly food, so that you can grow closer to God and focus on him. People did it for so many different reasons and so many different situations, but I'm not necessarily saying every time you have anxiety, go to your pantry, throw everything out and only drink water for seven days. Some situations may require that, but I think in every situation where we see anxiety rise up, we should take a step back and look at what is going on in our lives. What other distractions can we remove and replace with godly truths? I look at Philippians four, eight through nine. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So. Practically, again, I like to be practical. What does that look like? One, scripture. Replace the worry that you're feeling with the word. This scripture's great, right? Think about the wonderful things of God. I love Psalms, because Psalms was written by so many people who were stressing out about really, really big things. So I encourage you, check out Psalms if you're really trying to find something to calm that peace in your life. Another really big thing is therapy. (laughs) All of you are like, I just have anxiety thinking about therapy. Um, It's true, but let me tell you, a lot of you might be like, I can't afford therapy. Well, you can't afford not to have it in your life. Yeah. We, we, my husband and I have seen the benefits of therapy and it may be hard, but it's 100% worth it. I had a counselor one time I was going through something that was really messing me up. I was so mad and it impacted my entire thinking and the way I approached things and I was just frustrated and mad all the time. And she said, you know what, Cynthia, if you look really closely at a walnut, put it up close to your eye, it looks like a human brain. It's very interesting. It's a lot of like the same wrinkles and folds that a human brain does. But when you step back, you realize, wow, that's just a nut. (laughs) It's not this crazy important vital organ in our bodies. It is just this silly little nut. So sometimes therapy brings that perspective in our lives. So we can look at the situation that's causing anxiety and then be given truths to replace that thinking. Sometimes we can't zoom out from that situation ourselves. So getting that third party's input is gonna be super helpful. The last little thing that, it's very practical, is caring for your temple. Caring for your temple. That's another practical thing we can do. Your temple, I'm talking about your body. What we feed ourselves mentally is important, but what we feed ourselves physically is also important. There's a lot of studies out there that talk about that your stomach is actually your second brain. Right, is that, has anyone heard that before? It's your second brain. And uh, I think my husband tells me this all the time when I decide to wake up in the morning, get like really strong coffee, and I don't eat anything, and then by the afternoon I'm in like this caffeine-induced depression in a fetal position on the couch, and he's like, why, why are you crying? And I'm just like, it's Starbucks. <laughs> it's Starbucks, that's what it is. So what are you feeding your body? Sometimes caffeine can do that, but the statistics show us that people who have a, uh, a nice healthy diet, which consists of a lot of vegetables, less processed foods, more whole foods, not the grocery store, but food. <laughs> yeah. Pastor says whole check. Yeah, I'm not talking about whole check. I'm talking about actually Whole Foods. And people who have a very balanced diet tend to have very balanced moods. They don't have mood fluctuations like everyone else. They often remain focused, have a happier outlook, and their diets have shown to decrease anxiety and depression tremendously. So if you're like, I shouldn't have anxiety, maybe it's those Cheetos you had late last night, right? Not the Cheetos, I know. I love them. But it could be, your Cheetos in your life. Lord Jesus, remove the Cheetos from our lives. Okay, all right, um, I'll stop now. So (laughs) it's really important for us to remove things that cause and feed the anxiety and replace it with things that is going to feed us peace which often God gives us because he gives us the peace that surpasses all understanding, amen, all right. You know, I haven't heard a preach at White Girl yet, and I'm on point number three, so you got some time, okay? Yeah, yeah, You're, don't be scared, don't be, Tim, Blake, you, can, you guys can do it too, all right. Yeah, <laughs> all right, I promise I won't come after you. All right, point number three, point number three is to remember. Remember. So (laughs) the first thing we talked about, right, was to commit, second thing, replace and remove, and then the final thing is to remember. You know, in the Old Testament, God didn't speak to his people the same way he speaks to us today. He in fact had prophets that would speak to the kings and to the community. So you see here where the, the prophet at this time is speaking on God's behalf to Jehoshaphat. Chronicles 20, verse five through nine. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of a new courtyard. Um, That's gonna be us in a few months, right? A new courtyard, amen. (laughs) I don't know why they added it in there, but it's very timely for us. So he stood up in front of this new courtyard and this prophet said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, oh, I'm sorry, let me back up here. This is actually King Jehoshaphat saying this in front of the entire assembly. The prophet hasn't come spoke it, he will. But this is Jehoshaphat petitioning God. He says, Lord, the God of our ancestors, you are not the God who is in heaven. Are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. You are our God. Did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name. And we will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. This prayer coming from King Jehoshaphat sounds a lot like he's reminding God of what he's already done. But in reality, he's reminding himself and the people of of Judah of what God has done. Because trust me, they all have anxiety. They're all freaking out. And what they needed to do was to remember what God has already done so they could remove any of those distractions and focus completely on him. When we remember what God has done, it turns us into these thankful people. And when we become thankful, we end up worshiping worshiping God for everything He has done. 2 Kings 17 says, Do not forget the covenant I have made with you, and do not worship other gods. Rather worship the Lord your God. It is He who will deliver you from the hands of your enemies. Do you see that? worship your Lord and he will deliver you from the hands of your enemies. And your enemies might be physical enemies, but they can also be the invisible ones like anxiety and depression and all these other mental illnesses. He will deliver you once you remember and you worship him. So now I'm gonna to get to the prophet. What did the prophet have to say on behalf of God? The prophet says in Chronicles 20:15 15, 17, listen king jehoshaphat and all who live in judah and jerusalem this is what your lord has to say to you do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army or vast army for the battle is not yours but god's (laughs) the battle is not yours but it is god's you will not have to fight this battle But take up your position, stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord and see what he will give to you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. And (laughs) the story does go on that they bow down and worship God in that moment when he spoke and they're like, all right, you got this. This is not my battle, this is yours. In a couple chapters prior, you actually see King Jehoshaphat goes to war for a battle that he shouldn't have been in. And you see that he was defeated and almost died. And so when God speaks to him, this is not your battle, he's like, you're right, it's yours. I want nothing to do this, but I will show up. And so what goes to happen is that Jehoshaphat and his entire army show up the next morning and go to this ridge where God told them to look out. And when they look out, they see that vast army who, seemed like they were gonna defeat them were completely wiped out. They were ambushed by the Lord. All the ites, they gone, right? (laughs) This is what happens when you let God fight the battle he's supposed to and you just show up and be obedient. You know, like I said, scripture isn't so black and white to say, here's how you deal with this and here's how you deal with this when it comes to mental health. But all the scriptures that I've read always point to God's sovereignty so just remember that when you're going through something it's God who's in control and is in his hands I'll wrap up kind of telling a little personal story of mine so growing up I was I was raised in church and through different traumas and daddy issues that I had at age 18 I was like you know what this church that I've been going to, if it's the church that my stepfather who was abusive and manipulative, this is the God that he says he is, I want nothing to do with him. And so at age 18, I went off to college and walked away from God. And my freshman year of college, it looked like a lot like Project X, if you've seen that movie. It was a lot of partying, a lot of nights I don't remember because of the alcohol and a lot of guys that really didn't like me for me, but just wanted to have a good time. And I knew I wasn't living God's best for me, but it didn't stop me until one night I went to this party and this guy who I thought was a friend took advantage of me and raped me. And I was so lost and distraught. And then come to find out a few days later, he started to spread rumors like, she was asking for it. She deserved it. And called me all of these terrible names that I will not repeat in church today. And that just broke me. I was like, I am not feeling like I was, I'm not being the person that God had destined me to be. And now my reputation is ruining and I was in such a downward spiral that I had made plans to take my own life. And, Thank goodness Tim gave me a tissue. I told him I didn't want it, (laughs) but he gave it to me anyway. God saved me from that situation, somehow in some way by planting me in a church. (laughs) And in this church, I recommitted to Jesus he told me that he already paid the price. And so I decided to recommit to him. And in my recommitment and relationship with him, I removed all of the negative and bad things that were not good for me in my life, that were creating this anxiety that made me wanna take my own life. I removed the bad friends, the excessive drinking, parting, whatever it may have been, and replaced it with relationships with godly people. Replaced it with prayer, with his word, and with incredible mentors. And even now, when I have extreme anxiety, I still hear God whisper, Cynthia, your battles are not yours, they're mine. Because I already sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. He has already taken on all of those burdens. And so when you are experiencing those anxieties, just know that he is saying, this battle is not yours. I've already paid the price. I've already won and I'm going to continue to win. (laughs) And, you know, I don't tell you this story to make myself look good but to really reveal how good God is. I want to invite you guys to, to stand on up and close your eyes for a moment. I want you to picture and imagine maybe something that came to mind during today's message, something that makes you want to stop and freeze and not move and to be afraid and scared something that's putting you into bondage maybe it's something that you've been struggling and praying for for a long time and haven't seen the answer that you're looking for if that is you again all eyes closed I just want you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you Is there anyone in here that I can be praying for today? Is there an anxiety we can say, God, take this away? Remind us of the battle that you've already won. Help us to remember the things that we have seen you do in our lives. Father, bring to us fresh revelation of what steps you would ask us to take, whether it's to see that therapist, whether it's to tell this friend, whether it's even to see a doctor where he can help prescribe something so that you can continue walking in freedom. Father, bring those things to us and to our mind. Feel free to pray out loud if you feel led to. Father God, we are just so thankful for everything you're doing in this room and in the lives of our people. We ultimately want a relationship with you and freedom from all of our struggles. Now I want to speak to those in this room who are like, you know, You told this really compelling story of how you committed your life to Jesus. Sounds all good and all, but I haven't done that. That's okay (laughs) for right now. We're not judging you, but we see you as God's child, whether you recognize it or not. But I wanna still give every person in here an opportunity to change that in this moment. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if that sounds like you, or maybe you've had a relationship with God and you walked away and you wanna recommit, now is your time. If that is you on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hands just so I can pray with you and then our church will pray with you as well. So one, if that's you and you want a relationship with Jesus or, or two, you wanna recommit your life to him and three, is there anyone out there who wants to commit their life to Jesus, to remove those anxieties to take the next best step to respond to Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Church, it is really scary to pray alone a long time. So I'm going to invite you to repeat after me. For those who raised your hand, or maybe you were too nervous, you had too much anxiety to raise your hand. I want you to repeat after me, but we're all going to repeat after one another as you are praying this prayer. Lord Jesus, I want to experience your love and your mercy forever. I am imperfect and I need a savior. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins. Jesus, I am inviting you today to come into my life, to guide me into relationship with you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel to hear more messages like this one. If you like what you heard, please share with your family and friends. Don't forget to connect with us on our website at CourageousChurch.online. Courageous Church. Courageous People.